Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Tamarack Media Cooperative is looking for a coder for environmental initiatives. Vox Media is looking for a full-stack engineer. WattTime is looking for a software engineer for clean energy. And Revision Path is looking for staff writers. So check out the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs and find your next job today. And if you're looking for more jobs, become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, of course, I want to talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. MailChimp is the best software out there for sending marketing emails, automated messages, and targeted campaigns. You can join more than 10 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 600 million emails every day. Sign up today at MailChimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's really where Hover comes in. Hover makes it really easy for you to find that domain name and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and save 10% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're still holding steady at 31 patrons for a combined total of $213 per month. Again, a huge thanks for everyone that has pledged your support and appreciation for the show. I'm really able to take that money and put it right back into the show for hosting and for other types of things. So thank you again so much. Uh, If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some really great perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, and free Revision Path swag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and it's a really great way to support the show on a regular basis. Are you a part of our Slack community? If not, you should totally join. We just opened it up, I'd say a little less than a month ago. Uh, Head over to revisionpath.com forward slash Slack to sign up for an invite. So you can come chop it up with me and with other Revision Path supporters, talk about design, talk about whatever you want to really. We've got a music channel, we've got channels for coders and for designers, and we've got our jobs channel, which I mentioned earlier. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash Slack. Come through and say hey. All right, now for this week's interview. I talked with Anna Wilder, brand manager and lead designer for DeNovo Nutrition. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Anna Wilder. I am a brand manager and lead designer currently at DeNovo Nutrition, which is a supplement and sports content company. I'm from Chicago. I'm currently in Tampa, Florida, working with the company. And I mean, that's the very brief working tidbit of me. So, uh, yeah. It's kind of a big shift from Chicago to Tampa, especially around this time of year. Oh, God, absolutely. It's been rainy the past few days here, but when I get reports from back home, 
about how cold it is and snow. It, the, snow's not that bad Midwest, but East has really been horrible. So I, I feel for anybody who's going through that. I'm not going through that, but I feel for you because right. I know how it goes. <laughs> I worked downtown Chicago during the polar vortex scenario. So I got hit with negative 52 and I was, oh. yeah, so I know those feelings for sure. Oh my God. I'm shivering. <laughs> negative 52? It was legitimately negative 52. I'm not lying. So yeah, it, it hurt. I was thankful for. I, I can imagine, like you just like you just go outside and you're just in pain. Yeah, it like I was wrapped head to toe. Like I had lo- tall boots on, long jacket, like, and I had to walk too, at least ten minutes. So it was destructive. But I don't wish that on even my worst enemy. So it's horrible. <laughs> well, we'll go back and talk about Chicago, but let's okay. let's focus on what you're doing at DeNovo. You say that you are brand manager. You also do some design work there. Tell me how you got started there. Um, actually. I know the CEO of the company. It is, DeNovo is considered a startup company. We are booming and growing rapidly. We actually just had a, we got restocked in our biggest product today. So our website is currently, we need to switch to a bigger server, but that's a side note. Yeah. So I I know the CEO of the company. They, like most companies that don't really know anything about design or graphics or anything, they say, we need a logo. So that's Mm -hmm. your first way in is a logo. And then I do a logo and then I just do my little short job project with them. And they're like, wait, we kind of need more stuff. So how do we, how do we bring you on? And that's kind of how it developed is I immediately wanted to say, well, I attacked the brand first. I wanted to communicate the brand. So I, I asked a million questions. I created a whole bunch of visual boards and everything for them. So it sort of started with a logo because I knew the CEO and it just kind of transpired from there and just grew. And now I just, I do so much more than I thought I, I'd never thought I was going to do for the company. So that's how I started. Were you their first design hire? Yes, absolutely. Previously before that, the COO, who is actually the majority owner of the company, he was doing graphics and stuff on his own. And oh, I'm just happy they asked me to come along and they're happy. <laughs> they're happy they asked me to come along. So I mean, it's a win-win, but yeah, I'm the first designer they actually had, and they already said they wouldn't be anything without me, so I guess I'll be around for a while. Yeah, it's usually that way with startups because, you know, the founders are so focused on building the business. That's really where yeah. where they have to put 100% of their time, and then anyone that comes in as that first hire for design almost has carte blanche to just yep. create it in their own image and, and in their own way. Back in December, I interviewed... Justin Edmond, who was Pinterest's first design mm-hmm. hire. Oh, wow. And he would say, you know, for the, I think the four years or so that he was there, he was able to implement, you know, a lot of things. Like he really was able to put his thumbprint yes. on that product in a lot of different ways. I know that feeling. That's completely accurate. That's what I'm finding is I'm creating a lot of the community or standards like within the company. Like I'm creating a lot of value just by implementing standards and saying, well, we shouldn't do this and we can do this. And I don't really know about that. And I will be honest, it has them and I'm seeing their growth as well in that. They're considering things that they weren't considering when we initially started working together back in January of 2014. They have a whole different mind state and consideration to things that we actually put out now because I just kept reinforcing. I mean, Every designer has a struggle with the business aspects of people or creative in general has a struggle with a little bit more of the business aspect. They just kind of want to get things out and push and they don't really think about everything else that goes into it. But with you said about putting in your thumbprint, like that's what I, I feel like I'm doing. And I 
think they'll say the same. The other two people I work with closely, I think they'll say the same. What would you say is like your philosophy as a designer? Like, what would you say is your claim to fame about what you do? About what I do, maybe not necessarily just with this company, but just what I do is I personally want to communicate the individual's position, um, vision. Not, I'm just kind of a communicator and I make sure that is there a way that I can capture whatever it is they're thinking, feeling, and put it into something that works, that's functional, that has meaning, that has value to the, the client that I'm working with. And then on top of that, their consumer, their demographic. So my philosophy is really to accurately communicate someone's vision. I won't say client because that sounds kind of sterile, but just someone's, I just want to communicate people's visions, to be honest. So how long now have you been in Tampa working with them? I actually moved down here and I moved in October 1st, 2015. So I have not oh. been here that long. I just, I came from Chicago land. So oh, wow. yeah, I'm a newbie trying to figure out this place. That's. I was about to ask, <laughs> have you had a chance to kind of check out what the local design scene and everything. Is I like. have not, but I was, t- I've been to Ybor City, which is kind of a, it's like a little artsy place. It's artsy, not designerly. I did see a design, like an architecture or something sort of business, but I don't know. I haven't really seen much here, to be honest. Like, I think there's more probably near St. Petersburg and Clearwater. There's probably a lot more design scene because St. Petersburg is much more, it just seems like that, that sort of edge kind of fits them but tampa's kind of to be honest kind of run down but that's the best Mm. way to describe it there's nothing really popping here so okay (laughs) just me okay (laughs) just me here (laughs) just you (laughs) let's go back to uh chicago i want to hear about you say you went to columbia college in chicago is that right talk to me about what your time was like there oh man some of the best times i've had um i didn't actually live downtown in in the loop like every other student did but I got my fair share of the the creative experience Columbia College man it's just an immaculate school for creative energy and just people that want to push boundaries and limits and just defying standards like Columbia is just amazing The, the people I've met there I'm just fortunate to have met such creative people and it's not just young people there was there was older adults there there's middle aged people everybody there, the instructors, professors. I just learned so much just about what I was into and what mattered to me. I actually, like the liberal arts program they have that every student should has to take, you know, classes in, man, just opened up my eyes to, I can do so much more than just, you know, produce a little pamphlet or a booklet or something like that. Like I can actually design, not necessarily be an artist, but design things that actually mean something. So it's just an amazing school and the programs and the people and structures, everything's just amazing. I, if you're downtown Chicago, you can just go to their museums and their art galleries and exhibits and just explore the campus. Cause the campus is really a part of the South loop of Chicago. So anyone could just sort of experience Columbia as it is. So if, if anyone's ever down there and interested. Uh, that's an interesting part that you mentioned about the liberal arts, I guess, part of it and how that gave you a more well-rounded yes. I guess, education as a designer. What kind of courses and things were you taking? Well, I do have a minor in Black World Studies, and I didn't even know that existed until I kind of expressed my interest in things. So you do have to poke around a little bit. 
to find out some things exist. But but yeah, the very first class that really impacted me, I took a, it, it was a feminism class. I can't remember the ne- exact name of it, but that's when I I just was like floored and realized how much I had way more interest in culture and society than I thought I had. And But the programs there, I just know there's a lot of different, there's a lot of variety. I know there's um there's like, and uh, well, I took history of the Caribbean and stuff like that. So it's like mm-hmm. there, there's those types of classes. I'm not a connoisseur of what all Columbia has to offer because it's a lot. But I just know that the instructors that they put in place of those programs tend to write their classes and programs themselves. So you're getting you're not getting some boring, sterile uh representation of what the school thinks you should learn and cuts it out and stuff like that so you're getting what the instructor feels is important and those instructors and professors they've hired they're top-notch they're quality people they've done their research they're they're studying they're getting their doctorates and all that so you're getting quality and you're also being like sucked in like because it's so intriguing like I can't even express it in words because it's just like a it's like a feeling like, man, these people really love what they do. They they're knowledgeable about what it is they're teaching and they feel it. And that's the same for the design instructors as well. So it's it's amazing school. And I I have nothing but high regard. Do you feel like that knowledge that you learned that wasn't necessarily, you know, design stuff? Do you feel like that? helped influence your work and your style as a designer? Yes. I had my intro to Black World Studies class. I learned so much about just coming right out of uh, slavery and and the Americas in general. And I can't tell you how many projects I did for my design classes that had to do with Blacks, like, world studies. Like, Really? Yeah. I made a... um, (laughs) What's it? uh, The ACS? What is it? The ACS? I can't remember what it's called, but I produced, like, a poster for a class that had to do oh the Americans something man whenever they were they were sending slaves back to Li- to Liberia um, oh uh repatriation yeah I forget what it's called I, but I, I know what you're talking yeah, but about I did a satirical poster for one of my design classes about basically trying to sell Liberia to like black to the blacks of America and just the freed or the newly freed slaves so I did a satirical poster of that a lot of the work that I just ended up doing just became more influenced by culture and not even just black culture. I, for one of, uh, for my publication design class, a, a magazine cover, we had, to, we all had to come up with a concept for a magazine cover for the same magazine. And we mm-hmm. voted on the winner. I did not win, but I'm so proud of the magazine cover I produced. It was uh, Geronimo, who is an Apache Indian, a uh, prisoner of war. And the, the weird name we came up with the magazine was Nomadic Radiator. Don't ask. It was just a word thing we put together. And I did a picture of, like, it was Geronimo. I actually did a hand portrait of Geronimo, so I have it. And I imposed that, and I made him go up into flames, and I had the American flag behind him burning. Like, it was really good, and it did Wow. I just loved it so much. So just in general, a lot of the work that I did, I infused culture into them. So, And that's kind of – I still try to do that today, but I don't have as many opportunities as I did when I was in undergrad or – even just fresh out, just exploring and trying to create new things on my own. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine, you know, if you're like the work that you're doing with DeNovo, you can't really put like a flaming American no. flag behind <laughs> no. it. That's, that's not in the brand, guys. You can't do that. No, it's definitely, but I make sure, um, I try to push our own little envelopes and boundaries a little bit too and just 
And that's actually the the freedom we have with DeNovo is that we're all like that. Like the company itself is a group of natural power lifters, natural bodybuilders, natural meaning drug free, no juicing and steroids and stuff like that. So we're going against the grain in this industry and it's been an uphill battle, but the rewards we're, we're receiving are great. And that's a lot of it is attributed to the product we have and also the design and content we have and we put out visually and aesthetically, like everyone that I don't actually get to talk to the people that give us accolades because I'm not the face of the company. I'm sort of the you know, person behind the scene doing all the work like most designers are. And but I'm constantly relayed messages that say, wow, we love the look of it. It's just refreshing. It's not like what's going on in the industry. So I mean, I still push my envelope and I can't do burning flag, American flag stuff, but I can certainly do stuff that defies an industry standard fitness and nu- in the fitness and nutrition industry. So I'm still doing that, but it's a different way of doing it. It sort of reminds me of Diogenes Brito, who I interviewed on the show in December. He wrote an article. He works for, for Slack. <laughs> oh, well, and, I, yeah, I use Slack. Hey. I use Slack, and for people that are listening, we have a Slack room if you want to join. But he wrote this piece called Just a Brown Hand, Mm -hmm. and it was about sort of uh, the decision for the add to Slack button to make that a brown hand as opposed to a white hand, and sort of like what the decision was for him to do that and what that meant and how so many people, I guess, really ended up kind of gravitating to Slack by seeing just that small design gesture that was made man, design is important i don't think yeah really, i mean we realize that we know that but man and i can say that that is what i've introduced to the people i work closely with in de novo is that design is important they now look at things with a different pair of eyes and they're and i i tell them i was like you guys don't may not create like i do but you guys are still designers and you have the ability and capacity to design something maybe not in right. the way that a developer does, a gamer does, animation, whatever. But you can have the complete ability to be conscious of whatever it is you're going to put out. Everything matters. Like, everything matters. Even when I was little and I played Mortal Kombat, I noticed every aspect, like, women look like that? Women don't look like that. Like, you learn that. (laughs) You really learn all that stuff, and it just, it's subliminal. And it just feeds into your subconscious. So I can see why a brown hand would invite me to like, yeah, I can use this. Oh, they they got brown black people? Okay, I can do that. Like, I get it. Yeah. I love that. So with the work that you're doing with DeNovo, kind of walk me through what a typical day is like there. Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> That's the joy and beauty of a startup company. It's kind of every day is what you make it. What I can say my day has been recently, I check the emails to see what's going on because I actually like I said, given I'm a startup, we're a startup company, I do a lot more than I'm, I should, (laughs) as far as like reaching into other hands and areas of the company. But I check all the emails. I run the social media as well, I should say. That's pretty important. But I also do all the design for uh, social media. So sometimes when I kind of do bulk designing, where my the marketing people I'm still kind of a part of marketing but they'll come up with the concepts the other people I work with they'll come up with the social media concepts and campaigns well we kind of come up with them together but I'll just sit down and I'll pump out a few graphics for social media I'm making sure the content on the website is together I also even check to see if the inventory is together because uh, I don't want to promote something that you know isn't even in stock for the most part I'm looking up uh 
I'm creating new visuals for social media and our website. And then I'm also trying to find a way to, well, we also have a camp going on, which is like a seminar. So I'm also doing the marketing and branding of that as well. So I'm working on that website a lot. And yeah, I'm just kind of managing content right now. But when we have a new product that's going to come out, we do a creative brief for everyone together. And because we're not a huge team, I think there's about nine of us. And there's only really like four of us that are together all the time, including myself. But yeah, we'll come up with the concept and then we kind of get it filtered. So we'll start with everyone, introduce it. And then it'll go to a smaller group where we talk about the idea. And then it's just two of us really kind of fleshing out an idea. And then it's just me going and coming up with the designs and packaging and all that stuff. So my days and weeks are not very consistent. So as you can tell with the way I've described everything. So just know that every day I'm, I'm creating something visually and I'm putting it out and I'm interacting and all that as well. And thinking long-term at the same time with new products. So. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I don't know. Every day is not the same. So I can try to give you an idea. So sorry. <laughs> no, no. So when you graduated from Columbia College, kind of talk to me, what did you do after that? Did you start freelancing? Did you end up working for a company right out of school? Right. After I graduate, and this is, and this will be kind of my key takeaway moment is give someone okay. a chance. Because right after I graduated, I graduated in May of 2013. And I couldn't find a job. And I was just, I was trying, I was really trying. So I did some freelance here and there, like with actual bigger companies. And just because I I wanted to get some sort of experience, because everyone freelances and does designs for people they know and when you're in college or even right before college, whatever. So it was six months. And so from May to September, September is actually when I decided, okay, I can't find a job. So let me just apply to grad school, which is what a lot of people do. And I applied to grad school and I ended up getting a job offer in November of 2013. And so I started working at a company called Smith Buckland, which is in downtown Chicago. And I will say I was relatively qualified for that job. Like I met standards like, okay, I had a degree. Um, I've done a little design work. I'm professional enough. I had like minimum qualifications for that job. And when I saw the team that was working there, I did not fit in at all. I was young. Oh. I was, I was, what was I? I just turned 23. I was fresh out of college, like not even a year out of college. I was black. I was a woman. Like it, I just did not fit. There is a lot of men there that worked in the design department. And I should mention that Smith Buckland is an association management company. So it's very, they work with a lot of organizations and doing design work and all types of work. It's not just design, marketing, everything, unique finance. They do a lot of things for different associations across the country. And the guy who hired me is Bill Wargo. And man, he really just gave me a chance. Like he saw that I was cool. Like he was kind of cool. Like he played drums. Like he was, he kind of like laid back in the interview and I was like, okay, this is decent. Like, okay. It's a very corporate environment when you get there. And, Mm -hmm. but he just didn't give me corporate vibes. So I was just like, what? am I getting myself into? Um, <laughs> I was confused. Like he was talking about, he's like, well, do you smoke cigarettes? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, good. Because we don't smoke cigarettes. I was like, okay, I guess I'm qualified. I don't smoke cigarettes. But yeah, so 
I interviewed with three of them and man, they just, I, when I got there, I saw I was like the only person of color there. I was young. I had like wild curly hair. Like I, I was young and fresh and everyone else was kind of like, we work here. We've been here for a while. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I messed this energy in here. I don't know. But I mean, the group is cool. The actual designers that I work with. So there's eight designers. They were wonderful. Like they're all individual people and they're unique in their own way. But I just felt so misrepresented working there. But I will say I learned so much from Smith Buckland right out of college and trying to find a job. And I'm just happy Bill and Lori there. They all took a chance on me. And I don't know. I learned so much. So that's all I can really say. And I was only I was there for almost actually a little over a year. And in that time, like they just they just gave me that chance to actually prove what I can do. And I learned so much. And now I learned so much about corporate designing and the you know, expressing, working with various groups of people. So that was my time right out of college is working there. And then, then I started working with DeNovo as a, honestly, just a couple months after I started working there, I was working with DeNovo on the side. And then as I got accepted into Savannah College of Art and Design, I actually decided that I couldn't work at Smith Buckland because I wanted to finish my degree, my, my master's. And it was just kind of a struggle to keep up both. And I took a risk and I quit my nice corporate fun or, you know, full-time job and, you know, all that security. I, I took a huge risk and I was like, well, I'll work, I'll finish school and I'll work with DeNovo. And DeNovo doesn't, wasn't paying me much at that time. So I took a lot of risks and they're kind of paying off now. So just take a chance like on yourself and take a chance on someone else. Like just, that's what I've learned outside of outside having come out of right out of Columbia College and just trying to make my way into the world is take a chance so wow yeah (laughs) I agree with taking a chance I mean I feel like you know sort of like what you're saying actually you know what this reminds me of this reminds me of Viola Davis's Emmy speech last year when she speak when she was speaking you know primarily about black women that the only thing that's really stopping them from winning awards and things like this is having the opportunity. And I feel, I feel like as you know, black designers, those opportunities really come few and far in between and not because of the quality of our work, but because we don't have access to particular networks or, Mm -hmm. or we are not socialized with the right people, or we don't know about these events and things of that nature. And so we end up kind of, you know, sort of missing out on that, but even just having the opportunity, you know, to be on the same type of platform or same type of stage really means a lot. And I'm, I really like that that is part of kind of what your general overall message is. That's really inspiring. That's absolutely just opportunity and just someone taking a chance on you. It's like, that's really what it is. And I find that that's what's happening also, not to get too off topic, but that's what's happening with a lot of TV and media, you know, and you see Shonda Rhimes is, well, she just said, she said, it's not trailblazing if you're, you're actually representing or creating media that represents an actual diverse community society. But you have people in networks that are taking chance on people of color, women in general. So if that can happen more in design world, which I'm not even sure if it does. Like I mentioned, like I don't, I don't see, it's hard to see us. When I was going to Columbia, all I saw was white guys and there's no problem with that. I mean, they're creative, they're good too, but it's like, man, I know I'm not the only one here. And because, Mm -hmm. Because I was seeing a lack of representation, I wanted to start a mentoring program. I wanted to teach because I've been into graphic design since I was like 12. 
Like I wasn't good. No, you're not good when you start, but I was into <laughs> it. Like I was doing little websites and I downloaded a program. I think it was Jask Paint Shop Pro or something. I don't know. But oh, I remember yeah. And it was yeah. just, I just wanted to, I don't know. I, I wanted to do that. And it's because I had the internet and I had access. No one really showed it to me. I just kind of stumbled upon it. And I wanted to teach men, I wanted to teach design skills to, to young kids, not just white or black or whatever. I just wanted to teach it then because it's kind of a skill that goes, I mean, no one really, you don't really know about it until, I don't even know when you know about it. <laughs> it's like, it's in front of your face all the time. Yeah. You don't really, you're not really put on to it, you know? So. And some people may never know about it. Right. That's, that is true. That's another part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What advice, I mean, besides what you said about, you know, be willing to kind of give someone a chance, what advice would you give to someone that's just starting out in this industry that's looking to become a designer like you? Just starting out? Well, if you're starting out and you're starting like in college, I'd say definitely don't limit your education to college and what you learn there. That's for sure. I learned so much just on the web. You see a lot of companies that hire people that have no technical degree in designing Mm -hmm. if you're sometimes if you're good you're good like there's really if you're great you're great there's no real well do you have a degree there's not a lot of that as much anymore I find at least uh that's what I'm discovering is do you have the talent do you have the skill set so don't limit your education to just what you learn in a classroom or that you paid for you can find so much because that's what I did in middle school and high school this was before I, YouTube was a thing. I just found tutorials and people willing to share information and just be creative. That's how I learned my skills. And I just refined them in college. So don't limit your skill set to what you learn in a school or you have to pay for thousands of dollars for. There's way more accessible to you for free than you realize. What gets you like in your creative zone when you really need to sort of get there and and make something great? What gets you in your zone? I can't be around a whole bunch of people. So it's actually great that I work with a startup company because I, even when I worked at Smith Buckland, I would put in my headphones and I just zone out on everybody all day. I could be watching a show. I could be listening to some music, whatever it is. I just need to sort of be in like a bubble so that I actually have the space to create. So, and when I find that I am designing and something's not going how I want it to go or I'm putting some together and it's just not looking good. And I don't have the capacity to actually say this is trash. I just literally go get up out of my seat, go eat something, go watch something, go outside, just take a step away for a little bit. And then I come back and I realize I can either make this work or there's something new I can do with this. So you have to kind of recognize your space as a whole, like your environment and just just honoring your creative space, really. Hmm. Yeah. Were your parents and your family really supportive of you getting into design? Absolutely. I know that's not always the number one thing you hear. Like, we don't want you to be an artist. So first of all, I, I have no res- disrespect for an artist, but I'm not an artist. But my parents, I have a good way of explaining things to them. So I told them I was interested before I got into Columbia. Actually, I went to the Illinois Institute of Art for a little while in Schaumburg. So that's a, I should mention that. And that's when I realized I wasn't getting enough at that school. I needed to go be somewhere better. So I went to Columbia. I explained to my parents, well, I either want to go to school for psychology or graphic design. And I found that graphic design is actually like psychology. So I'm going to go to school for graphic design. And my parents have always been supportive. So 
So in general, so I don't, I have a very fortunate setup where my parents trust me and my decisions and they know that I'm going to do what's best for me. They didn't have any issues with it whatsoever, but I will say that that's not all the parents' case when they find out you're going to go to school for something like graphic design. I'm actually experiencing that with a family member of mine who their daughter, she wants to go to school for graphic design and her parents, my, which are my cousins, they were saying, well, that doesn't make any money. And I was like, you're a liar. Like, what do you mean that doesn't make any money? I was like, everything you see is designed. She can make money. And they were like, refreshing to hear. And okay, we're, we have a little bit more confidence with her wanting to do that now. It's like, mm-hmm. man, really? Like, if my parents told me that, and because they were pushing her towards criminal whatever, and I was like, she's not going to be happy. Like, if she's got to do what mm-hmm. she's want to do. But but what I know is my parents, they knew. They went to the program, the, the whatever it is when you go to school and meet everyone. And the, it, I don't know what it's called. They went with me and with arms open. They liked the school. So my parents were with it. Nice. Yeah. That's a good thing. I mean, one of the things that I hear sometimes from designers is that their parents don't necessarily take what they do seriously. It's more like a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, you can be into art and design and everything, but you still need to go out and like get a real job or something. Right, so right. It's, it's good to hear that yeah. from your end that it's different. Well, in high school, like I will admit, like all through middle school and high school, it was a hobby. And I was, I realized it. I, I felt it was a hobby. And I was going to go to school to be like a district attorney or something. Like I had planned that and everything. And then I realized when I was a junior, like, man, I could make money with this. Like I could actually do something with this. <laughs> like that's what I, I had that moment in myself, like, wait a minute. I like this. I can be better. And I like it. And I see designs and graphics everywhere. Like I can make a job out of this. And yeah, when I told my parents were not surprised because I was always creative as a child. So they're not surprised that I went to art school, went off to art school. So they're not surprised at all. But I think, uh, I don't know, my parents let me, they, they've always let me explore. They've always let me mess up. Like they've always, they never really got in the way. They only jumped in the way if like it was like life or death. But they just they just gave me that room to grow, and I appreciate them and that so much. What would you say is your dream project? If you had the funds and the time to do it, what would you want to work on? Man, I, I still to this day, my dream project is to do, I want to mentor and do creative, like just teach design skills to youth. Like I want to start, I wanted to take over my library back home and just, because they had the computers and the programs. Like I just want to teach kids design skills if they're interested. I have this pitch that I, I put together for Savannah, a class in Savannah College of Art and Design for my master's program. I put that together, and it's a pitch called Bedrock Foundation. It's basically teaching fundamental skills to groundwork, fundamental, foundational design skills, and just that for minority youth and kids. So not limited to skin color or anything like that, just minority, low end, just teach them design skills. Like I still want to do that so badly and I plan to eventually. So I have to, it's my mission. It's my (laughs) life mission. What keeps you motivated? To be honest, just that I'm a woman of color, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like simply put, like I'm a woman of color and I'm doing branding and designing and we're a rarity here at least from what I've discovered. And I just want to advance just people of color in general in this profession. Like if I can do it, I know someone else can do it. I know someone's way better than me that doesn't even 
know it yet. Like if I'm represented and I'm seen and I'm visible, then someone else is going to want it too. The same with any actor or a doctor or whatever. Like if I'm visible and they see me doing it, then they can do it too. So that's, that's really what motivates me 100%. Well, just to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Yes, my website is Anna, A-N-N-A hyphen Wilder. So AnnaWilder.com. And honestly, you can see a lot of my actual work in motion in real time at DeNovoNutrition.com. So that's where you can find me. All right. Sounds good. Well, Anna Wilder, thank you again for taking time out of your day for coming onto the show. I mean, I just got this really overall positive feeling from you about not just what motivates you in terms of your work, but what motivates you as a person. And I feel like that really kind of just shines out through everything that you're doing, particularly the work that you're doing with DeNovo. So my hope is that, you know, within the next few years, we really see a lot out of you, like really doing some great stuff. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I want everyone to feel and feel that shine out of me too. So thank you. Thank (laughs) you so much. Thoughts of love are in And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Anna Wilder and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Anna and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. When it comes to email marketing, MailChimp makes it simple. They have great in-depth reporting, new and improved autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. Make sure you subscribe to us over on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners. It helps more people find out about the show as we kind of rise up in those rankings. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.